0: wanted to let all of you know, I have a really good announcement for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to tell you how to vote. <sighs> yeah, I mean, Really, I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> vote for freedom. Yeah. Every election... Now don't get mad at me, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, all right? Don't get mad. But every election in America is about freedom. We're a free nation. Every election is about freedom. So let me help you a little bit. Let me boil it down. Freedom of religion. Every country, every country that takes away freedom of religion, if they take away freedom, they take away freedom of religion first. Because if you believe in God, then you're loyal to someone higher than the government. And the government can't allow that. So you pray, you decide, you do whatever God tells you to do, but please vote. So Debbie and I have already voted. Probably many of you, how many of you have already voted? Can I look at that (laughs) mouth? All right. Let's pray. Let's pray for our country. Let's continue to pray. Okay? Let's continue to pray because we do need to pray. There is a um, a tremendous move all over the world that's anti God, and we need to pray against that as believers. But here's the great thing: God is doing something. Churches are growing all over the world. Millions of people are being saved. More people are being saved right now than any time in human history. So it's fantastic. Okay, so we're in a series called Perfect or Perfected. I'm sure none of you have related to either of the first two messages. First one on perfectionism. No one here's ever had a problem with that. Last week on stress, stressed out. No one's ever had a problem with stress. So this week, the title of the message is Good Enough. Good Enough. Now, in the same way that perfect has become a catchphrase, a buzzword, same way good enough has. But good enough is like um, almost a a bad phrase. It's like um, when you're doing a school project. About 2 a.m. you say, it's good enough. (laughs) It's like when you're putting together furniture from Ikea, which I will never, Debbie bought one thing from there. She is banned from ever buying anything from there again (laughs) because I had to put it together, and it still doesn't work, so good enough. Uh, I've got a friend of mine, pastor of a church, not gonna say his name. He doesn't wanna own up the story. He's actually told the story, so but, uh, on a Christmas Eve, many of you parents can relate, waited till the kids went to bed, And then he went to put together a swing set. 34 degrees. (laughs) Sleeping. 4 a.m. He said, good "Good enough. (laughs) He went to put the cardboard boxes away that it came in and saw this box with 20 or 30 nuts and bolts in it. He doesn't want to own up to this, but he has a vacant lot beside his house. He just (laughs) tossed all of them (laughs) over the fence. And of course, the kids couldn't play on it because it almost fell down. They had a professional come. So, is good good enough? Good's gotten a bad rap. So I'm gonna actually show you that the word good is a good word in scripture. And we're gonna talk about are you okay if you're perfected by grace and you're not perfect? Are you okay if God says you're good? You're okay, you're good. All right. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17 says, talking about Jesus as he was going out on the road. One came running. This is the rich young ruler. They they call him the they call this the story of the rich young ruler, because he was rich, young, and a, a ruler. All right, so. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher. Notice immediately the focus was on being good. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Now, if you want to number them, you can. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. There's three. Do not bear false witness, do not defraud honor your father and mother. He only named six of the 10 commandments. The commandments are divided into two categories. The first four have to do with your relationship with God. The last six, which he named, have to do with your relationship with other people. Those are the only six Jesus named, not because he forgot the first four, but because the man couldn't say that he'd kept them. He couldn't say that he'd kept not having any other gods before him. He couldn't say that, you see what I'm saying? He could only talk about what he had done in relationship with other people. So Jesus only named six. He said, you know the commandments, verse 20. He answered, said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I I just love those two words. I think people miss them, loved him. In other words, he loved him enough to tell him the truth. And he said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross. Sounds like more than one, by the way, Um, but it's all involved in one. Come, take up the cross and follow me. He was sad at his word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Okay, here's the point. His focus was on being good enough and Jesus in essence says to him, that's not enough. They can't be good enough to go to heaven. The only way you can go to heaven is to give everything up to God. In other words, to be perfect. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this, and we've talked about perfect are perfected. But he comes up, and here's a guy that says, I've kept all these commandments. Now, I thought about this this last week when I was preparing this message, I went through the 10 commandments. Uh, I broke nine of them by the time I was 15 or 16 years old. I didn't kill anyone. So, that's the only one I've never broken. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I thought about it, but I didn't. Okay. But anyway, the point is, I've broken the other ones. And you probably have too. You've probably broken the majority of them. So, you can't be here's what he's trying to say. You want to talk about being good? Okay. Let me just put it out of your reach. Sell everything, give it away take up a cross, be willing to die a horrible death and follow me. And the guy goes away sad, you would too. Because he says, no, it's not about being good. It's about something else. And we're gonna talk in a moment, we're gonna follow up this passage because most of the time when we preach on it, we don't read the passage after it. And that's when Jesus explains what he meant. So we'll talk about that in a moment. So the first thing we want to talk about though is good is good. Good is good. It's not bad. It's good. I looked up the word good in the dictionary of Miriam Webster, and there were so many definitions, I can't even put them on the screen, I'm just going to scroll through some of them. Look at these words. Favorable character, bountiful, handsome. I'm a, I'm a good pastor. <laughs> Attractive, suitable, pleasant, wholesome, amusing. I'm a good pastor. Clever true, honorable, deserving of respect, adequate, satisfactory, virtuous, commendable, kind, benevolent, competent, skillful, something conforming to the moral character of the universe. So good is not bad. Good is good. And we're gonna get to the end of this message and find out that good is good. It really is good. It's okay to be good. So we're talking about being good or perfect. So let me ask you something. Do you have a good job or do you have a perfect job? (sighs) Okay, hold on. So there was a time when, remember, I traveled and spoke and and did revivals, youth revivals and things, but I had to do things on the side sometimes to make extra money. I worked for a guy that built fences, and we would do the fence posts and the fence panels. But another guy I worked for had a cleaning company. And so when I went to clean, we cleaned office buildings, and he had me clean the restrooms. And he did not believe that you cleaned toilets with brushes. You put a rubber glove on, and you took this, you know, rag thing and just cleaned that toilet. So I'm kind of cleaning the toilet, you know, and he comes in and gets on me. no. It's not the way you do it, you have gotta really get after it, you know, and he kinda chews me out, you know. So I'm a little mad at him, I'm a little embarrassed. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll just really go, so I went like that. Well, his glove was longer than my glove. So when he would go all the way down in the toilet bowl, no water got in his glove. My glove was about that long. Are y'all following me? So I went all the way down, my glove filled up with toilet water. It was not a perfect job. But it was actually perfect for me at that time in my life. It was perfect for me. So I want to talk about this, good or perfect. So now I'm going to ask a question, Men that are married, look forward, don't blink, don't move in any way at all, okay? Is your wife perfect? Don't move. Is she good? Is she a good gift from God? Or is she a perfect gift from God? Show you scripture, Proverbs 18:22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. She's good. But let me show you another scripture. James 1:17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So is your wife good or perfect? You ready for this? Yes. let me tell you what I mean. Debbie and I were having a, a funny fight one time. I don't know if you know what a funny fight is, but you'll recognize that you've had one. It's when you're arguing about who was right, which way to go, which was the shortest route, or whatever it is, and you're not mad at each other. You've been married a long time. You're just kind of, you know, joking with each other. You're not jabbing. There was nothing. We were just joking. Does everyone understand? We were not really fighting, and we weren't you know, mad, we didn't say anything that would have hurt each other's feelings, but we were joking with each other. And so I said to her, you know, contrary to popular belief, you are not perfect. <laughs> and she said to me, I'm perfect for you. <laughs> so is my wife a good wife or a perfect wife? Yes, yes. She's a great wife, and she's perfect for me. Is she perfect in her behavior? No. But is she perfect for me? Yes. Are are y'all following me? So when God gives a gift, it's perfect for us, but it's also a good gift. Good is not bad. Good is good, okay? Here's point number two. Grace is good. Grace is good. So remember... Rich young ruler runs up to Jesus. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? You know the commandments, kept them all. Okay, you like one thing, that's everything you own. Okay, so watch what happens next. Verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Astonished. I want you to remember that word. We'll come back to it. Astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said then, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches, now he's clarifying it a little more, to enter the kingdom of God. And then here's the famous verse. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, they didn't say to Jesus among themselves, "Who then can be saved?" But Jesus looked at them and said, "With men and we're talking about being saved, with men, it's impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. So let me just talk for a moment about the disciples. Why were they astonished? Why were they greatly astonished? By the way, these are two different words in the Greek. Astonished means amazed. The second astonished is amazed, but it's a compound word. And the other word that it joins with it is to strike with a blow. It's like to strike someone in the face, hit them with your fist. So it was like he hit them in the face with amazement. That's that's the word the Bible uses. They were amazed the first time, then they were knocked down with amazement. But why? Because I've heard that the disciples were poor. So when Jesus said, you know, it's hard for rich people to go to heaven, you would think they'd say, yep, that's right. Yep, yep, those rich people, they're not gonna make it. us poor fishermen, we're gonna make it. Well, I'm not saying they were rich, but just remember when they followed Jesus, it said they left their nets and boats with their hired servants hired servants are called employees poor people don't have employees i'm not saying they were rich i'm not I'm not i'm not i'm not preaching a rich gospel or Hyper prosperity they're I'm just saying they were okay. <laughs> they had hired servants their businesses by the way, kept going while they were gone because Peter goes back to fishing then he still got his boat. they got a boat. I, 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 I've been around poor people. they don't have boats, not ones that float. <laughs> that, that most of the disciples were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Okay, let's just admit it. A politician. (laughs) Both sides of the aisle. (laughs) They're rich. Simon the zealot. We got Simon Peter, but there's another disciple, Simon the zealot. A zealot was a lobbyist. They got money. (laughs) You can't lobby without money. Now, you know what it's? Almost too close to the election to make fun about this, isn't it? I mean, y'all aren't laughing. But we got a politician and a tax collector, you know, a zealot and fishermen that owned boats and had employees. All I'm saying is there's no reason that they would be astonished and be afraid. This word actually also means not only amazement, but fear. Why would they be afraid when Jesus said, it's tough for people, it's got money to go to heaven? Why wouldn't they just say, "Yep, yeah, that's what we think too. Why, why would they be afraid? Because they had some money. It, it, it's just crazy that somehow we think these guys didn't they had businesses. That's, that's all I'm saying to you. They're greatly astonished. And so Jesus said, "Well, it's just tough." And they said, "Well well then, who then can be saved? And I want you to hear his answer. With men, it's impossible. Let me tell you what this means. It's impossible for you to save yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't be good enough. It can't be. It is completely impossible to save yourself. You need, oh, I just think this is incredible, Jesus saying this. Here's what he's trying to tell them. You need a savior. <laughs> You need someone who can do it for you because you have to remember in order to be accepted by God, an acceptable sacrifice had to be perfect. It had to be perfect. Let me show you. Leviticus 22, 21. And whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a freewill offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be. Be perfect to be accepted. It's right there in the scripture. It must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Exodus 12:5, about the Passover lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. And then obviously it's fulfilled in Christ, 1 Peter 1:19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish. So here's the perfect one standing there saying, you can't save yourself. You can't be good enough. You have to be perfect. But I'm perfect. I can save you. That's what he's trying to tell him. So we've been talking about perfectionism, stress. Let me just tell you, perfectionism will never be overcome by trying to do better. You'll never overcome it by trying to be better or do better. You only overcome perfectionism by grace, by being perfected by grace, receiving grace. Um, Let me give you an example of grace. So in the Old Testament, God gives the law. It's his moral standard. Uh, The New Testament tells us it's literally to frustrate us to bring us to grace. It's phenomenal. It's just Paul spends, Jesus and Paul spend most of their ministry trying to get people to understand how good grace is. So you've got the law, and most people, again, think it's 10 questions. It's not 10 questions, it's 613 questions. It's Leviticus, which is the the law of the Levites, Leviticus, and then Deuteronomy means the law a second time. So Leviticus and Deuteronomy have the law, 613 laws. So here, here's, what, here's how good grace is, okay? Uh, God says to every human, um, if you want to go to heaven, uh, you have to be perfect. There's a test you have to take, 613 questions, and you have to get them all right. If you miss one, you don't go to heaven. And by the way, uh, you've already missed about 600 of them. Now, um, my son took the test and scored a perfect score. If you won't, you can take his grade. Or you can take the test yourself. But you've already failed. Are y'all following me? That's how easy it is to accept Christ and what he did on the cross. Do you you want to try to work your way there or do you want to accept his score? Here's the problem though with believers. We accept grace and then we still try to be perfect in everything we do. You're not going to be perfect. You're a human. You're going to make mistakes. But you're good because he's made you good and God's good. So, all right, so good is good. Grace is good. And here's number three. God is good. God is good. Now, uh, there is such um, a move online. And of course, we've seen it with Facebook and Twitter and Google. There's such an anti-God movement right now that you need to be careful searching theology online because they have anticipated your every search. And so, so many people will search and they'll tell me theology uh, that they found online. And I don't mean this in the wrong way, but it's kind of like when I tell the doctor what I found online. (laughs) who went to medical school and, you know, and I'm telling him something about a drug or something and he's thinking, you know, I studied that, you know. So, I, I just want you to be careful studying theology online, but I do want you to study the Bible. That's that's where you get theology. It's from the Bible. So be careful online. So um, I know where the word good comes from, but I decided to just kind of refresh myself on this. So I, I put in the search, does good come from God, the word God? All these articles, no, no. Good doesn't come from God. Good is this word. God is this word. And, and straight, almost one of them said straight out, several straight out, God is not good. It's amazing. And I kept thinking, well, I need to go back because I remember when I did this study years ago, you know, this is going back to the 12th century. It's around the 6th century. This word came into existence from, you know, the Greek and the Latin and da-da-da. So I was kind of thinking, I think I need to go back. Uh, farther and I can't go back and I can't find it, you know, da, da. and then I thought, oh, I know how I can go back farther. I'll go to the Bible. <laughs> and you know what I just remembered, I just kind of got reminded. reminder the Bible is better than the internet. <laughs> it's incredible how good the Bible is. So if you're really trying to find out correct theology and doctrine, just go to the Bible. So let me just show you whether God's good or not, okay? So Deuteronomy 26, 11, so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you in your house. Psalm 118, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalm 119, 68, you are good and do good. Psalm 145, verse nine, the Lord is good to all. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. First Timothy 4, 4, for every creature of God is good. 3 John 11, beloved, do not tempt, imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Why? Because God is good. God is good. Now, Here's the question I've been wanting to get you to the whole message. Is good good enough if God says it's good? <laughs> so when I started, I said, Is good good enough? And you were like, Nope. But is good good enough if God says it's good? Yes. So I just want to show you how good good is according to God. So God created the world six days. Now, Scripture talks about a day as a thousand years. We don't know. God's eternal. We also, we don't, we don't know about older, new earth, all those things. There are all sorts of theories about that. Have whatever theory you want. I don't mind. I don't mind. Millions of years, six days, whatever you want, as long as you know God did it. That's, that's the bottom. As long as you know God did it and, and we didn't happen because, you know, nothing collided with nothing God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. That we have a, a designer, okay? So, all right. So, do you remember at the end of each day of creation, God checked for one thing? Here's the end of verse of, of day one, Genesis one four, and God saw the light. That it was what good. Didn't say perfect. Didn't even say great. God said, that's good. In the day two, verse 10, God saw that it was good. End of day three, verse 12, God saw it was good. In the day four, verse 18, God saw it was good. End of day five, verse 21, God saw it was good. Now, you do need to know on day six, he created man before he created woman. Genesis 2:18 says and the Lord God said that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Created man without woman, looked and said, yeah, it's not good. That's not good. Just ladies, just leave him for a few days. You'll say, you'll agree with God, not good, it's not good. But at the end of day six, after he created woman, Genesis 131, then God saw everything that he made and indeed it was very good. And the evening and morning were the sixth day. So I just want you to know something. Good's good enough with God. It's, It's good enough to be Good to be made good by God's grace. Everything you made was good. And when he made you, he said, that's good. That's good. Um, So we're talking about good and perfect. So my son, James, he's, you know, Josh and James, both my boys are outdoors. And they're just, they love the outdoors. In high school, um, a teacher called us. It was required that James... Take art. And so the teacher called us and said, um, James is really good in art, and I want to enter what he's done in the state competition. And I found out a little more about it. I talked to him this week about it. Um, nearly all art, 99% of all art, starts with a white canvas and artist shade. But there's a type of art that James did in high school that's one of the most difficult types of art. He would start with a dark piece of paper and scratch it off into a, a figure, into a, a picture, a, a portrait, by scratching the darkness off to reveal the light. So let me show you the, it's a horse that he did. Let me just show you this. And this, in, um, he was a junior in high school. So all he's doing is just scratching there. And that was when he was a junior. And then when he was a senior, he did this one. And both of those won state in art, both of them, his junior and senior year. But his junior year, when they called and said, she said, I think he could, he could go to state. And I said, James, my son, you know, is an artist. What I didn't realize was Debbie's an artist, and I've been trying to get her to paint more um, uh, because we moved into this new home, and she wanted abstract art. Have any of you seen abstract art? Have you seen The Price? (laughs) I said, I'm not paying that much money for something. Our grandchildren can do that. (laughs) So I told her, you you paint some because I think you can do a better job. And she doesn't know, by the way that I'm showing you this, but she's painted some, but look, this is one of her paintings here. Isn't that something? So apparently James got this from Debbie, because I can't do any of this, all right? But that night that James was up doing the art, by the way, we're going to auction that off later for the building fund. (laughs) So uh, my retirement is set, I think, so... um, But James is staying up late uh, and we go on to bed and he stays up till one or two o'clock in the morning working on one of those art things for for state. And the next morning, I said to him, um, hey, did you finish your, your artwork? And he said, yeah. I said, well, what do you think? You know what he said, right? He said, well, it's good enough. And he showed it to me and I said, That's perfect son, that's beautiful, that's incredible. You know why? Because I'm his father. It was perfect in my eyes. Please hear me. You might think that you aren't good enough. But I'm telling you, in your Father's eyes, you're perfect. You are perfect in your Father's eyes. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every message, we just take a moment at the end, all of us in person, online, and we just ask the Holy Spirit a question. We've been doing it for years. Maybe this is your first time. But I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask Him. Just take a moment. And you might hear something in your spirit. You might get an impression in your mind. Maybe the Lord will build on it this week with you. But just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And I just want to say to everyone, everyone online, everyone in person, you can't be good enough to go to heaven on your own, but you can be made perfect by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So if you need to receive Jesus right now, just tell him, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose on the third day. Whatever you want to say. The main thing is, it's what Jesus said to that man. Will you give me your life? Will you give me your life? And you could just tell the Lord right now, Lord, I give you my life. I'm tired of running it. I made a mess of it. I give you my life. Lord, I want to tell you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the perfect sacrifice your beloved, precious son. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help every person who's just prayed that prayer, Lord, to connect with us, Lord, and let us help them grow. And God, for those of us that prayed that prayer maybe years ago, help us, Lord, to know we are perfect in the eyes of our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.